0: In for the touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one.
1: So, you know, it's with that, time George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And uh That is what? me. That's my name, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> the next offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh just kidding. I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, um, no, I don't want that pressure, dude. No maybe no maybe if andy heck ever moves on you can become the line coach or something
0: maybe like um, an assistant to the assistant line
1: coach. <laughs> if they ever
0: want to let's do something like that that'd
1: be cool. the, the advance o line scout i
0: don't i don't think i don't think orlando brown would like me but um <laughs> but we would work together i would work for him to become the best offensive lineman he can
1: yes yes
0: yeah. um and he'd be like, who, who the heck are you? You've never played in the NFL. Get out of here. And I'd be
1: like, okay, point. Words <laughs> hurt. <laughs> yep, you make points I can't dispute. Um,
0: <laughs> Whoa, uh, hey. You're taking... Ah, dang. Between you and other people, man. It's got too many
1: catchphrases. It's... it. <laughs> it's a it's a sign of affection that we co-opt some of your some of your phrases some of my phrases i'm pretty sure like half my arsenal's getting used there are things we can talk about when we get deeper in the you know into the discussion about the coaching staff here real quick to kick things off you know about fast food restaurants and stuff like that if you want to go there so anyways what were you saying (laughs) (laughs) the big news of course this week uh around chief's kingdom is Sam Madison going back to Miami. Um, I'm sure everyone's heard by now. Um, It's dominated talk radio or, uh, (laughs) um, or did I get that wrong? Um, I feel like the Sam Madison is, you know, I mean, there's an actual coach who has left the chief's coaching staff this week. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, it, i'm gonna be, i'm gonna be blunt like i mean i mean dave merritt i'm uh, i've always been really impressed with dave merritt and what he's been as a coach and what he what he just the insight the insightfulness that he gives in press conferences it's like true answers and lets me learn the game whenever i've asked him questions like that's what i enjoyed Torres would have enjoyed the heck out of it dude like that th- those are the type of things that Torres and i personally lived for to be able to hear and be able to get so then so like the just learning more about the game like that's always going to be a passion of mine and dave Merritt always i always enjoyed whenever he would talk because like he you always learned something from him and it was always it's always insightful and so i hope that that's able to continue
1: yeah and merritt you know still on the on the team he and sam madison had both coached defensive backs the last what three seasons since Steve yeah, they came in, arrived?
0: Yeah, they, yep they came right um, no
1: um, but that's just the latest, um, you know, and kind of a, a reshuffling of the Chiefs coaching staff. Uh, you know, Matt House is now the defensive coordinator at LSU. Um, they moved Brendan Daly from defensive line to linebackers coach. They brought in Joe Colin from Jacksonville as a defensive line coach. Um, you know, on the offensive side, Mike Kafka, the quarterback's coach has moved on to be offensive coordinator at the Giants. And there's of course lots of conversation this week about Eric B future. Um What's your take on, you know, and then that and then obviously Ryan Poles getting poached from the front office to be the GM with the Bears. I mean, it's pretty common in in the NFL, right? When a team has success, especially sustained success, um, other teams will try to tap into that. Um, You know, I mean, the New England Patriots, obviously, um, lots of teams have tried to replicate the Patriots way. The Chiefs did, right, when they brought in Scott Pioli and Matt Castle. Um, a few years ago, which, you know, I mean, it may not have been the most fun uh, era of the chiefs, but it did usher in the Andy Reed era. So it served a purpose, um, you know, I mean, look, even KU football tried to tap into the Patriot way with Charlie Weiss, you know, so, I mean, it's happened uh, up and down, but um, red flag for you, all the assistant coaching turnover, or just the the cost of doing business when you go to four straight AFC championship games.
0: No, I mean it's it's a good thing that's happening in that regard that one people are getting new opportunities from the organization but also um you need new voices like I mean yeah. you know as things grow things grow stale like the, like that's a tribute to Andy Reid in his in his um tenure not only in Kansas City but in Philadelphia that he can have that sustain sustained success to have that program that can create that and be able to do that for nearly two decades. I mean, that's that's insanely hard to do in the NFL. And that it's why well, you don't see that run very often. I mean, you see people that can go five hundred, but like and he's not just going 500. Like, I mean, that, you're, especially here in Kansas City with, with Patrick Mahomes. Like, I mean, you know, like 11, 12 wins is, is come the expectation rather than, like, an appreciation that they were able to do that, you know. And that's, that's still a time in this Chiefs era that, like, right now, like, I mean, that's un- unprecedented in a lot of ways. And then on top of that, um, the other part of it is, like, the, the only thing that I really have to say is whatever – Fixes what happened in the AFC Championship game, so it never happens again. Whatever fixes that is what they have to do this off season. So whatever that may involve, that just whatever has to be handled on that, get it handled. Make sure that that's not a thing that lingers in any way, shape, or form. And because I, I don't want to see an AFC Championship game like that ever again, plain and simple. That's about as blunt as I'm going to put that one. Like what whatever happened, that that can't happen ever again. Like, I mean that's the cuz what what's kind of frustrated me from watching the Super Bowl and this is my first rant in a little bit so i apologize. But like what's kind of frustrated me from that Super Bowl. In my opinion the Chiefs were better. The Chiefs team this year even with the deficiencies on the roster were better than both those teams i saw on the football field on on Sunday in the Super Bowl. Like the Chiefs should be the Super Bowl champions right now. And that's what irritates me the most about that Super Bowl is that the Chiefs should be holding uh the Lombardi trophy this week. There should have been a parade on wednesday the day before the snowstorm came um and you know like all that stuff like there that should have been what happened because the chiefs were better than the Bengals. but whenever i talked about it a couple weeks ago roster deficiencies and things of that nature like those things added up to where certain people if they don't overcome some of those issues some of those deficiencies in the roster then and they couldn't ring the bell or answer answer the toll at that point that like those other parts of the puzzle were going to catch up and cause problems, and that's what ended up happening. And there just weren't enough of the people that were able to overcome it in the past to be able to do it again. So whatever the organization going to do this offseason to evaluate why, <clears throat> what happened to the AFC Championship happened, how do you fix it from a roster perspective, what are we going to fix from a coaching perspective, what are we going to fix from a mentality perspective, get it done so that never happens again.
1: Yeah, and and a big part of that, I mean, just like, you know, you wanted to revitalize the podcast with a new host, um, a big part of that could be a a fresh voice, um, you know, in that room. Um, I mean, the Chiefs have had one of the best offenses in the league for four years. Uh, Patrick, I'm just shaking
0: my head at you that you would would say that, revitalize it with a new host.
1: It was a casual drop. Um,
0: (laughs) Get out of here, dude. (laughs) But they've... (laughs) <laughs> who else am I going to have tell me that that I need a hug all the time? Because I know nobody else is going to say that uh, stuff. Because do not know Trudy <laughs> My mom has never. My mom's never said you need a hug. I promise you that much. <laughs> she uh, she understood the boundaries a long time ago. Um, <laughs> and that's the lady who gave life to me, Todd. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, how about my wife then? Uh, you know,
0: <laughs> those were ambushes, and those were those were unwelcomed. <laughs>
1: Um, but I look, I think there's been a lot of talk about the next phase of Patrick Mahomes career and what the chiefs need to do from a roster perspective or things like that. I also think this is a a point in time where um, he might benefit from having, um, you know, somebody who's played the position a little bit more familiar with quarterback, um, you know, who understands the demands um, and and can elevate his game to the next level. I, I think, he has gone from a raw um, a raw but talented you know prospect in 2017 2018 who kind of took the league by storm after learning from Alex Smith and and now it's about refining and polishing his game now it's about making it second nature now it's about um, him you know instead of relying on his arm strength instead of relying on um, you know the, his physical gifts um, you know Moving into that territory where um he processes the game at a level like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers do late in their career. I think that's the next evolution. So if you're the Chiefs, I think the question you have to ask is um, is Eric Bieneme the right guy um to take him to the next level? You've already lost Kafka. So it, you know, it, and obviously Eric Bienemy's at a contract. Adam Schefter reported that. BNME and Andy Reid were going to meet and talk about his future with the club um, over the weekend. You know, now I think is the time if you want to get that fresh voice in there, you know, because the other thing it does is everybody, when you get a new coaching staff in has to perk up, right? They have to pay a little bit more attention. They have to uh, make sure that they're um, paying attention to the details. It's an, you know, the message is no longer stale and guys kind of realize like, Hey, I've got to fight for my job all over again. I've got to prove my worth to this, my new boss, you know, that kind of situation. So there is some benefit there. Um, you know, now, you know, look, being to I think the chiefs honestly expected him to be gone after last year. And certainly, um, expected him to be uh, to get a head coaching job this year. Um, you know, they've said as much. Andy Reid has said as much. He's interviewed with 14 teams in the league uh, for a total of 15 times because he interviewed twice with the Jets during the last few years. It just hasn't happened. Um, so I did want to, I mean, look, whether there's a rift between Biennami and Mahomes. Um, may not even be, real. look, guys are going to get feisty with one another, you know, I mean, I don't know whether those guys are, are, you know, are exchanging Christmas cards and hanging out, you know, outside of, outside of one arrowhead drive, but I, I'm not even sure that it matters, um, you know, I think that what matters most is the development of Patrick Mahomes' career moving forward, and, and I don't think that that's assigning blame to Eric enemy necessarily, and I don't think... I don't think you can blame Eric B for what happened in the second half of the AFC championship game. I think there's plenty of blame to go around for why the offense kind of came, came unglued, Um, similar to how they did January 2nd at Cincinnati when, when they blew a a big lead there. Um, But I mean, these things have a tendency to run their course, um, you know, and look, I mean, if, you know, if the relationship has run its course, then maybe it is time to move on and, and you know, um, just you know, shake things up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast for a couple of weeks ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm, I've I've already put my stances out there on that stuff to where I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not big on like rehashing something over and over again. But what I what I will say in this regard is that look i mean as i've said before i think a new opportunity would benefit eric biennemi like i think that would revitalize him um because the guy that i saw was the running backs coach whenever i used to interview him from time to time when they'd offer him up up at training camp or during the bye week i think is when they used to do it or certain various times when they did i i enjoyed asking him questions and i enjoyed getting the learn stuff from him and, and like, you know, he, he was at ease, but I, I just personally feel like with each passing year that he's been offensive coordinator, like, I mean, the press conferences turn into cliches, you know, it's just a, just a bunch of cliches together. And like, you don't really get to learn anything from it or get to learn about him and kind of, who he is and his philosophy. And I, just, I felt like he got more and more guarded with each passing year of interviews that didn't, you know, didn't go ideally for him to get the head coaching job. And so I don't know if that got in his head or what it may be, but I, I think for him and just like, you know, it, 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 at each point somebody needs a new chapter and a new start. And I, I think that that would, I personally think that would benefit him. Um, whether they, whether he or the organization whoever delays inevitable, I mean, that's, you know,
1: I just, I think that's where that's headed regardless. Um, but then look, on top it's, of it, it's, it's common, right? I mean, it happened to Andy Reid after 14 seasons in Philadelphia, Bill Belichick, you know, people sometimes forget had a, an awful tenure with the Cleveland Browns in the nineties before he hooked up with Tom Brady. I mean, it's not uncommon for guys um, to need that change of scenery to, uh, you know, to reach the the ultimate level. All
0: right. So to continue on, um, yeah. The the other part of it though is like like you said. I mean, the thing that they've had when Doug was, Doug Peterson wasn't here terribly long. You know, it was like what two three years, and then he moved on to his new opportunity. And then Matt Nagy was here for her, you know moved into that role for a handful of years. And then he moved on, and Eric's kind of at that same point. You know, time-wise, to where like it's you know most of the coaches have moved on at that point, and for whatever reason, it hasn't happened for him yet. And that's where I, I personally am kind of you know it, I think it would revitalize everybody on the offense. It would revitalize him, and they get it just they, they need some fresh ideas in there, and they need a different attention to detail from what I see on coaches' film with some minor things that I'm like that this these things need to be need to be fixed.
1: Uh, Matt Nagy, a name to remember. Um, so, anyway, look, I mean, I look, you've, you've got the combine coming up in a couple weeks. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about Major League Baseball and how February 28th is kind of a soft deadline if they want to start the season on time. Is the, the weekend before the combine or, or, you know, or the week of the combine, is that kind of your deadline for when the Chiefs need to have their coaching staff finalized and in place for 2022 so they can then begin to move forward um and evaluate through that that lens of, of who they're going to be working with in 2022
0: yeah i mean that that's kind of where i'm mentally just preparing myself i mean if the chiefs announce our coaching staff quicker then hey that's great that's less uh, questions and less than certainty in that regard and if there are any scheme or philosophical changes and in positions or an overall scheme or something in some regard, like that, this person may bring in these concepts or these ideas of this position, you know, because that's already happened. Joe Collins with him having been in the three-four, you know, at time ty- at various times, and what he did down in Jacksonville and with the you know, with the Ravens, what he did in Detroit, and a Rod Marinelli. He's got a he's got a diverse background in terms of what he's. You know what he what he's got scheme wise and who he's learned from. So that that is uh, that is something I'll be intrigued to see whenever the final coaching staffs announced and whatever that may be. Um But yeah, no, I mean that's where I'm. I'm kind of I'm intrigued by, and in what they may end up doing. So that's I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, no, I mean that's the the longer you don't have the coaching staff announced, whatever it's going to end up being. Like the more questions are going to linger and people are going to wonder about stuff, plain and simple. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously, you've now got a defensive, a guy with a defensive line background coaching linebackers and a guy who's used to, um, you know, bringing athletic linebackers off the edge in pass rushing situations. So, um, you know, um, I'm just saying that there, there are things to watch in training camp about how they're going to manage personnel and, and, and what kind of adaptations they might make, um, you know, to, to generate more, more pressure on the quarterback in different situations. Speaking of um, let's go ahead and move on to our, kind of the next phase of our off season glimpse. If you want to know what, uh, you know, Nick or my thoughts on the, the free agents on the chiefs roster, you can go check other podcasts, but I do want to, Move, you know, move forward, um, you know, looking at.
0: I, I like moving forward, Todd. Let's keep moving forward. Okay. I mean, that's where we can put the AFC championship in the rear view mirror for me, the happier I get because I've watched that game like 12 times, Todd. I don't
1: want to anymore. Right. That's and one of the things to. that it sticks out like a sore thumb is, is the pass rush, finishing the pass rush, um, you know, um, you know, getting those, you know, getting sacks, affecting the quarterback. And so I think you and I both agree that, um, with some of the cap room the chiefs were expected to have this year um a, a, a portion of it's going to go to the defensive line um you know and look they've already got a lot they've already got you know almost 60 million committed to the defensive line next year um you know frank clark's due 26.3 million chris jones is due 29.4 million i don't suspect either one of those players will necessarily carry that cap number into next season um you know um but even if they do keep those guys um th- they need to uh, to upgrade the rotation there um you know i mean obviously Melvin Ingram Alex Okafor Jaron Reed Derek Naughty are all gone all those guys played at least 40% of the snaps with the Chiefs last season and when you look at the depth behind Clark uh, uh you know at defensive end you've got Mike Dana, Josh Kando, Malik Herring, and then a couple reserve future signings, and Jonathan Woodard and Shalit Calhoun, and then at D tackle you've got Colin Saunders, TerShawn Wharton, and then three reserve future signings, and Darius Stills, Lorenzo Neal, and Cortez Broughton. Um, first of all, are, are, do you have any hope that any of those guys can stick on the roster as uh, you know as rotational type guys? Whether it's like I, I like Darius Stills a bit coming out of West Virginia. Um, so that was a name that kind of perked me up when I saw it. I mean, any of those guys you think are intriguing or you think that's just, you know, you need body count for the offseason programs?
0: I'm not going to call them body count because that's disrespectful to them. And the work that they put in. I'm not going to say that about them. Um, but you can't put all your eggs in the potential basket. Like, I mean, you know, like, you know, we can all have hopes and dreams and we can all, you know, hope that things work out, but you gotta you gotta treat each roster spot that you're gonna add or each person you're gonna add as if like they they're gonna make the difference between you you know winning and losing a uh, championship or super Bowl. So when you have that certain that certain mentality with that in that regard, like that's pretty that's pretty big in in that aspect of it. So I personally, I mean, look, you're hoping to see Malik Herring be able to have some promise, but coming off the ACL, you know, for an entire year, you don't know what that's going to be. It's so like, you just can't bank on that, you know, developing. If you hope it develops, then you want him to be, hey, if he becomes the second best defensive end, that's great. That means, you know, You know, that's, that's fantastic. But like, you just, you have to cover all aspects while you can build a roster to weather the storm of what may happen in December and January or during various injuries. So that's, that's what this part of the season's about. So no, I I personally, I I think they're going to need to add three, three to four defensive linemen um, in general to whatever's already on the roster, whether it's through draft or free agency. I think it's going to be a combination of the two, but I think that's going to have to happen.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, we talked about Melvin Ingram and Derek Noddy at, at the right price makes sense to bring back. Um, so, you know, that may happen. But even beyond that, there's going to need to be that investment. Um, you know, like you said, some of it will probably come in free agency. So uh, this is, I mean, there there are some quality edge rushers out there, um, and there are some big names. We talk about Von Miller, Chandler Jones, uh, Jadavion Clowney, um, Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, um, you you get down the list, you get Hassan Reddick and and guys like that. Emmanuel Ogba, obviously former chief, a guy that um, I think a lot of people yearn for the days when he was still on the roster. But when you look at this group of edge rushers, is is there anybody who sticks out as as a good fit and that you think the Chiefs can, um, you know, find a way to fit into their plans from a, a salary cap perspective? from an
0: edge rushing perspective like the number one thing is i i personally i would like to get i'd like to see him get two free agents that are not on the roster so like you try to get melvin ingram back but i would also try to get two free agents at the right price um if they can and then add another one through the draft personally if i'm trying to build that roster in that regard um number one guy that would be my targets randy gregory the cowboys like, I mean, that, that guy would be a really good Leo to potentially replace Frank Clark, got kind of a high motor to him. Um, athletically, I love how quick, quick twitch of an athlete he is and how explosive he is laterally, just the twist, the games, the stunts, that what he can do. Like that would be really, really beneficial on the offense. I think where. You know, he's he's a finesse rusher, so you're not going to have a ton of power moves from that side, which, can, which is fine anyways, because you're looking for speed. Um, I feel like he can hold his own at the point of attack, but he's not, like I said, he's not going to necessarily win with power, but he's just a dynamic pass rusher off that blind side that I think would would make quarterbacks nervous on a regular basis. So I mean, he he'd be my he'd be my number one in that regard.
1: And can I um, can I ask too? Like when when yeah. you're looking at the defensive end, are you looking for a guy who can play all three downs, or are you looking, uh, you know, or do you do, are you looking for more rotational guys? Guys who you know, maybe, maybe one guy is, you know, he's on, you know, he you, know, he, you use him more on, on early downs and then, and then a guy like Greg, Randy Gregory is more of a pass rush specialist that you, you use primarily in obvious passing situations. Is there, is there a way that you would handle that if you're Veach? Well, I mean, the top thing is the, the number
0: one guys that I'm given are guys that can play all three downs. Um, then when you go further down the list, there's guys that I have are more rotational at both defensive end and defensive tackle. So, I mean, the top guys are the ones that I think can play all three downs, can handle the run, can handle the pass, and can do a good job at both those based on the side of the end they're going to play. Um, so Gregory, to me, is kind of a Leo where Frank Clark's at. Like, he's kind of – I think it's where he's at in that regard. And then the second guy on that on that list is um, – a guy you've heard of before Von Miller. Like, I mean, Von Miller's still got a lot left in the tank. Now he hasn't had his hand in the dirt a lot since 2018, but from an athletic perspective, he can still play all three downs right now. And like it's not it's not a problem. And like he he's still got good explosiveness around the corner. I mean, he comes under control on his rushes. So like, it's not out of control, just run right by the quarterback type of thing. Like he'll set the tackle up and then pick his angle once he gets to the corner there. So it's not always, he's very savvy in that regard. And he's still able to handle, you know, and, and uh, run blocking and be able to kind of continue to hold the edge. So, I mean, I, I think he can still play three downs, but if you make him a rotational rusher, that's, that enhances what he can do pass rush wise even more. We'll see if he's able to get out of, uh, the out of the Rams and Saint, you know, in LA. Um, next guy is Charles Harris from the Lions. Like, that's another individual that kind of I think he'd be very strong, rotational rusher. I just, I, I like, I like his. I mean, he's a local kid, obviously, yeah, from here. Right in to Lincoln town. Prep. Yeah, and then and he's there and then obviously he's at Mizzou for a little bit, you know, for a little bit a couple of gears there before he we went to the NFL. Um, but I mean, look, he's got he's got good acceleration. I like his change of direction. Like he's he's comfortable with his hand in the dirt, which is a good thing. Some of those guys are playing that three four aren't always comfortable with that and have the same explosiveness. But his doesn't really change because of that. I'd loved his closing speed when we were seeing that and it, the way he can change speed into power. What I mean by that is somebody's rushing really hard and then they get a tackle off of base and then they can use a club over there or a bull rush and they can kind of that speed to power like he's got that ability in him and i I love his spin move it's a quick spin move i, I like his bull rush i like his dip and i just in worst case he'd be a really strong rotational rusher but i mean there's a chance there depending on what the chiefs see if they think he can play all three downs
1: um i don't know if you're aware he used to also play basketball I only, you, I, I only bring that up because uh, when he was at Mizzou the year before he was a first-round pick by the Dolphins, like every time there was a broadcast and he'd get a sack, they would talk about the fact that he also played basketball at Lincoln Prep. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that, that, that nobody forgot that.
0: Thank you, Todd. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. um, hashtag dynamite drop in <laughs> yeah, crushed it um and then the final person that i i really kind of enjoyed their tape was Obo for the rams there you can't pronounce his last name very well and i'm not gonna butcher it um so i'm not gonna be respectful and his first name's oboe from the from the rams he he has a lot of untapped potential and I personally think he's out of place in the Rams scheme. I think someone like the chiefs or Seattle or the 49ers, I think that fits more of what he can actually be as a rusher. And I mean, dude, he's got some serious burst and speed around the corner. Like it's, it's not, it's not a joke. And, and I mean, he's going to have to keep working on his strength. I think it's part of the reason the Rams didn't have him in the future points that they could have. And then why they traded for Von Miller. But um, like, I mean, he's, you know, he's more of a speed rusher at this time and got a good spin move. It's not, not as much power there for him to be able to kind of power through some stuff. And, um, I mean, he, you know, from a power perspective, it's just not there. But, I mean, with the right coaching, I think that there's, there's a really good possibility there with him. But um, now moving to the other side, there's two guys that would kind of I, – I envision if they bring Ingram back, they could rotate in with Ingram. The first one, obviously, is Emmanuel Ogba um he's more on that on that side where that side the leo side you kind of need more speed that side you need a little bit more power or more balance from both a run and, and pass perspective and i just think with him i mean he's he's a solid rotational power rusher he's not going to beat you with speed he's going he's going to get you the power and like i think he shines on twist i think he shines on stunts i think he like uh, he's got i think he fights well with his hands just like chris jones does and i like the bull rush that he's able to give there and the club that he has to go with it um and I mean, he's not, like I said, he's not going to win with alarming speed, but that, you know, he he's a good power rusher that comes under control and he's solid against the run. So like, that's kind of what you're wanting. And then this guy I think would be more a specific rotational individual and maybe not necessarily a defensive end all the time. Cause he's, I mean, he's tall and it's Arden key from the 49ers. Cause he's like six five, six six, two forty two fifties. fifties, but he lists, lists that depending on the website. But where the 49ers used him is he was a really big rotational centerpiece for them at defensive tackle. And, like, I mean, he was he was very serviceable on the edge and second downs. And he could, and he dominated a defensive tackle in second and long, third and long situations where they could kick him inside. And, like, I mean, with his long arms and the way he bull rushes and the rip that he's got with it against, you know, the interior three offensive linemen, um, he, he was he was a mismatch for those three guys and the and he could run the twists stunts the games all that type of stuff and like there there just wasn't a problem with it and like i mean i think he would struggle being a three down guy on the edge against the run but like there's there's a spot for him if you needed a rotational defensive guy who can play in but also on passing downs but can also kind of move around and rush from different spots i i feel like that's what what he would bring to the table in that
1: regard. How much of, of that is contingent on Ingram also being there? If you're going to bring in a guy like Arden. Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's
0: part of my, you know, that's part of what I'm thinking to where Arden key, you're trying to count as more of a, you're going to need somebody else. One of your other de- defensive ends that you got right now, especially Mike Dana, maybe Mike Dana is the rundown guy. And then Arden key kind of works in as a pass rusher in some spots. And maybe that's specifically where he's like a fifth defensive tackle in that regard. But he gives you those things. Now the guys I left off the list that people are probably asking, well, what about Chandler Jones? You know, why is it? Why, why didn't you talk about him? I'm gonna be honest, like Chandler Jones is at the point in his career he's on a pitch count, like, and he's in the scheme that he needs to be in a three four. I mean, there's the he's starting to run on empty, and his lateral movements it's just not as explosive as it used to be, and it's it's more of a struggle. He's a power rusher now, and like you know, even that power is not not what it once was. And I mean, he can hold the edge, but There's just, there's, you know, his, his five sack game performance when I went back and watched that. That was against Taylor Taylor Luang, who's coming back from a knee injury. So his kick step went up to form. He hadn't been able to get in the same condition that he normally would have been healthy. And then he left the game because he had to go on the bike for a little bit. And then Lamb, the backup tackle, came in. And Jones took him out with some power rushes and some clubs and things of that nature. So that's how Chandler got the five sacks that day. But most of what he got was based on power and being able to, you know, even though he didn't really have the speed, he was able to get around Luan, who's still getting back into form. So that's kind of how he took advantage of that. Uh, a guy that I actually liked there when I was watching this tape was Harold Landry from the Titans. Yep. I thought he had really good speed, you know, but it looked like his speed was coming from the wide nine position when he was a defensive end style of rusher. And so, I mean, he's able to scream upfield and he's able to get around the corner and he's got really good lateral quickness and can close. But, like, the problem he has is he can't get off blocks from what I saw on tape. Like, in the run defense, he's not going to be able to get off blocks. So, in that regard, I'm like, man, like, that's going to be tough. Like, you know, especially with the Chiefs. Like, you got to be solid against the run and you got to be able to have that athletic ability. And, like, so – I feel like he, his rushing style was, from what I saw on tape this year, was more one-dimensional, and it's a dimension that would benefit the Chiefs, but it would also, you know, depending depending on what, you know, what's going on throughout the year at the linebacker spot
1: in terms of run defense could cause some problems as well. Yeah, and anytime you have a guy out wide, you create some, some seams there, and if you can't get off a block and be useful um, in that situation, then, um we've seen what happens when you when you have a defensive end who struggles uh against the run and struggles with his assignment and it, it's usually not good for the defense.
0: You make points I can't dispute, Todd. You make points <laughs> I cannot dispute. So for me, those are those are kind of the top edge rushers. The Chiefs may have somebody else up there that they're they're big on, there may be some guys who haven't been released yet that may jump on the market that may fit what they're trying to do as well. So those, those are kind of the guys that are going to hit out there that I was like, you know,
1: these are, these are guys that I like at the defensive end position. And then on the inside, obviously, you've got Chris Jones, right? Yep. Um, you know, Saunders, if he can stay healthy, certainly has some athleticism. Tershawn Wharton ha- has proven that he's got um, some ability as a, as a rotational pass rush D-tackle. Um, and then, you know, but what I mean, do you need a run stuffer to pair with Chris Jones, or are you looking for another guy that you can develop uh alongside Treshawn Wharton as a guy who you can um generate pass rush? Cause it seemed like I mean, that's I think what they hoped Jaron Reed would be, um, especially when they were bumping Chris Jones outside last off season and it just never materialized. Derek Noddy's not that guy, but he has value as a run stuffer. But what, what, what are you, I mean, if you're paying a premium dollar for a guy, it's for the pass rush, isn't it?
0: Yes. And that's, that's where they've had the problem at the one tech spot is they just don't have an individual that's been able to help create um, a lot of that pressure that they need at the one tech spot to help help Chris to where it may look like a rundown, but it ends up being a play action or something like that. At that point, you got a three man rush, you know, cause Derek naughty, he's just gonna, he's kind of there to take up blocks and be a run defender, but he's not, he's not going to give you much push. He's not like an Alan Bailey that has the blend of both power and, you know, and, um, speed or Dante Poe for that matter. Like, it's just not who that dude is as a player. So like, I mean, he's a run stuffer on first and second down and Colin Saunders was kind of the guy that I think they were kind of hoping could rotate in and become that guy at the one tech spot with the amount of injuries he's had. And he's just not able to do that part of it. And Wharton's kind of more of a rotational three tech for, for Jones at this point. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of what you're looking at roster wise. And then you're going to, see if some of the guys that you have backup-wise, if any of them can kind of develop in that regard.
1: So when you look at, again, it, it, there's a, a pretty good free agent class out there, I think, um, when you're talking about Akeem Hicks and Sue, Calais Campbell, uh, you know, um, Linval Joseph, uh, Malik Collins, who's a local kid, you know, is, is a free agent. Um, I know a guy that, uh, you know, you got Vernon Butler from the Bills, um, it, you know, I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys out there, um, that I think, um, can provide a little bit more pass rush from the interior, M- you know, maybe a Malik Jackson, um, with the Browns, something like that. Is, who, who in that, that crop do you like at, at, at the one and the three technique, or do you even think they need to, to get depth at the three technique right now?
0: It'll never hurt because you never know what may happen. So, I mean, if there's an opportunity, whether it's through draft or free agency, I still think they need to get an interior defensive tackle on top of getting the end that they they have to develop. I think those are beneficial things each and every year. So, if you're able to hit on those, you can have, you know, controlled costs in some regard while you develop that individual. Um, Obviously, the number one guy that, I mean – He's probably going to end up being more of a three tech, but he's capable of playing one. And I think the way that Steve Spagnuolo would use him, I think would actually be beneficial here. He played for the Bengals, you know, Larry Ogunjobi. Like that, you know, that's, that guy is going to be one of the premier guys out there if he hits the market um, in terms of what he can do athletically and how he can help in both the, the run and pass. And like I said, he can play one and three tech. So the value there is that if something happens, you can rotate him to another spot. You know, it's not just like he has to be this or that the entire time, but I think he's a very good rusher. I mean, he, you know, he, he showed promise to the Browns, but he was able to kind of be featured with the bangles and really took off. And he's an explosive athlete closes quickly upfield. He's got really good lateral movement. And he would, him and Chris Jones together would be a nightmare interior wise from a pass rush perspective. Like those right. two together would be, would be serious value. I mean, and, it, and,
1: uh, You know, he might want to stick with the Bengals. They just went on a run, but the Bengals have, you know, they've got Jesse Bates at safety that a lot of people speculate they're going to have to tag to, to keep moving forward. So, um, you know, if they can't work something out, you know, with Bates, then that, that increases the likelihood that he, that he hits the open market.
0: Yeah. And then the other guy, um, that really impressed me was Tim settle from Washington. Um, Tim Settle's 24 years old. When I looked at him, he would be a one-tech for the cheap scheme. He's got re- he's got great size. He's stout at the point attack. He's even he's even better when he's allowed to attack upfield, which Washington's scheme didn't let him do at times. But when they had a more of a rotational guy, but he's got, dude, he's got lateral quickness that he shouldn't have at his size, like, it, it, but he's got it though. And it's better than you expect. He's got a, he's got a great ball rush. Um, I liked his club move and I thought he had a strong rip. I, I think he would shine in see Spagnolo's system. And like, he, he was my number one free agent guy other than Larry. Cause Larry, Larry, uh, just has such. Athletic ability that jumps off. Like if they if they had him and Tim Settle, I'd be pumped about it. But they potentially might be overpaying if they do that. So, um, but I but I think Settle could be a could be a reliable one tech for them. May have to be rotational until you get them to a certain point. But I think down the road you'd be that. Um, Daquan but, Jones, what's up?
1: Does it worry you? I mean, Settle was a guy who his third year in the league, twenty twenty, had five sacks. He didn't get any sacks last year. Does that worry you at all? Or, no. or do you? Do you still think that still that, that might actually just just know. bring his costs down for the Chiefs? Hey,
0: whatever it gets him here in Kansas City, I'm all about that life. Yeah. Um, now, next guy, Daquan Jones from the Panthers, Jones. It would be a one tech that I think would be similar to Mike Pinnell. Um, I think he's got a strong grip and extension to keep off line disengaged. He shucks them really well, reads in the backfield and shucks like Pinnell used to do without a problem. Jones has solid athletic ability for a one tech. I think he'd fit well with some of the twists and stunts and things of that nature. Now, he doesn't have elite, uh, elite lateral ability, but... He's got more than what Naughty has by a wide margin. I think he's got a good club move. I like his rip with his bull rush. So, I mean, that's another individual. Um... The next guy on my list is uh, DJ Jones from the 49ers. Jones is an athletic pass rush and one tech. He's got a good combination of burst and power. Uh, uh, Jones has a good swim move, rip, move along. I think he's got a serviceable ball rush. Um, I like his lateral movement. I, he sprints down a line of scrimmage and gives what he's got, just like Don Terry Poe used to. Like He gives the effort. And in that regard, like that was something that gave him high marks for me. And I think he can take a majority of the snaps. So I think there are going to need to be some rotational. Aspects to it, but I do think that, like, I mean, he's he's got it. Where he does struggle is if he gets double teamed in the point of attack. So that's going to be part of the downside of of him from a one tech spot. Is if that if that were the case. um Any questions? I, I still got a couple more guys, but I
1: didn't know no. You no, know. keep going, keep going. Uh, yeah, no, okay. I mean, I. um I mean, it sounds like obviously the one tech is the bigger spot, and that's one you, know, you mentioned the double teams. That's one area where Derek Nottie, um did a good job absorbing those. You know, but you got to remember. I mean, especially if you if you know if if Nick Bolton slides into the middle linebacker, you know, as a lot of people expect, then um, that's going to help those interior defensive linemen quite a bit next next year. I think with his instincts and his ability to to bring the lumber uh, from that second level.
0: Yeah, dude, you know lumber prices—they're very intense
1: right now. It's insane. Well, I mean, it's kind of—it's uh it's kind of—you know, it its its coming back down, but yeah, man. I mean, uh I don't know. I'll I, check with.
0: I'll,
1: I'll don't check with my lumber guy. Yeah, I I'll check with
0: my lumber guy stinson
1: <laughs> I was gonna say does. I think we have the same lumber guy.
0: Yeah, we definitely <laughs> do have the same lumber guy. Very passionate about his lumber. Um, that's what let him go on vacation with his wife this week. Or, they went to – I can't remember if they went to Buenos Aires or where they went, but I told him I was like <laughs> – uh, never mind. I'm not going to tell. Uh, but anyways, um, <laughs> B.J. Hill Bengals, that's the next guy on the list. I think Hill's capable of being a solid run defender, but I think he would struggle taking on double teams and he gets not, not knocked back in some regard. Um, He doesn't have the same lateral quickness for long periods of time, but he can give you like an initial change of direction before he starts to get tired, so he can be a rotational guy in that regard. Um, I I think he does good in one-on-ones. I think he reads screens well, so that's where I'm at with him. Um, Let's see, next guy on the list is a guy by the name of Malik Collins from the Texans, a local kid. Um, Malik, I I think he's a rotational one tech. Um, uh, he, like, again, he has solid lateral quickness. He doesn't give up on the play. So I love that about him. And he's got a good rip moves. He's got a solid bull rush. Um, I like his athletic ability for one tech, but he, he likes to shoot the, he likes to shoot the gap rather than take blocks head on. So like, if you want to do that from a scheme perspective, that's where he fits. But if you're wanting to take on blocks as a one tech like that, that may be, maybe some problems for you in that regard. Um, next guy I had on list was Brandon Williams from the Ravens. And the reason I had him is like he's he's still a disruptive run defender at 33. Like I mean he's a he's a big dude and if I remember correctly, he uh he also spent some time here in the MIAA. Um but yeah, Brandon like he he's still got some lateral quickness left. And I mean he can dude he can bull rush his way into the backfield on every play. He's just got that strength and that stamina to do that. But if you're asking him to sprint down the line At his size, that's just not going to work out. At his age and his size, that's not the part. Like you're, Brandon's one of those guys that you're going to have to pay a premium for his run, for his run-stuffing ability. You're not going to get a ton pass rush wise. He'll be able to help you collapse the pocket, um, but not at a speedy rate that some of the other guys I mentioned would be. And also, he's kind of like one of he'd be more of a fallback if you didn't re-sign Derek Nani or you didn't get one of those guys, he's not the first guy that you're trying to get out there. Um, Nathan Shepard of the Jets from Fort Hayes State originally, he's had a very up-and-down career, but Shepard, he's never reached his full potential with the Jets. And, I mean, he's a rotational pass pass rusher, but he can – he can work at the zero, uh, zero tech head up as a nose tackle. He can work at the one or the three tech. Um, he's got the ability to shoot the gap and get up field if that's what you're after. And he plays with high energy. It's just there. there's inconsistencies that they'll have to decide if they could coach out of him that could kind of help them. Um, Tevin Bryant from the Jaguars, a guy who was a high pick for them, but still hasn't reached his potential. But, I mean, he's got good size and athletic ability that if cuz you know, Colin is with him down there in Jacksonville, so he knows him better than anybody if he wants to bring him in here, just like you know Brandon Williams, and you would know Calais Campbell in that regard. But uh Brian, he's got a he's got a good swim move. I like his rip. Um, that he's got to go with it. I think he'd be good rotational one or three tech. I don't think you want to start him, but I think he's a rotational pass rusher for you. But we'll see uh what it, what he thinks. Now, a guy I left off the list was Calais Campbell. Now, the reason I left him off the list is because, dude, he's on his last leg as a pass rusher and defensive tackle. That's going to happen at 36 years old. That's not his fault. I mean, the dominant guy he was in Arizona, he's not that guy anymore. Like, that's, that's just kind of the reality. And if he plays, he'll he'll be there. He'll be able to hold the, you know, the blockers at the line of scrimmage. But anything more than that, he's just unfortunately not going to be able to give that part at this stage in his career. He won't get moved. Um, but, you know, the explosiveness he has, there's – There's not a ton of explosiveness left in him and the lateral quickness just isn't there. So that's not going to work out. Another guy I was ended up looking at was uh, Joseph from the chargers, Landville, Joseph from the chargers. He's, he's just not a good fit for what, for what they need. And then uh, I looked at, uh, Nichols from the bears. He just wasn't strong enough at the point of attack to where I figured that would be a really big problem for him. But those are a lot of the primary guys that I looked at. I looked at the Jets one tech, uh, but he there's there isn't enough there to help pass rush-wise, and he's I felt like he's gonna get paid better than Derek Naughty will, but I don't think that he um that he's going to I don't think you're gonna get the bang for your buck on on what he would provide as a defensive tackle. But those other guys I previously mentioned. If you can get one of those guys, if you can get two of those guys, like I, I think that helps out the pass rush tremendously, the rotation of it. Because where I'm looking at the construction of this defensive line, I think whether it's Nadia or somebody else, you need a one-tech for sure that can handle the run. But if you can have a one-tech who upgrades the pass rush, that's even better. And then I think you need, I think you need a new Leo. Uh, which is, which would be where Frank Clark was against the left tackle. And then you need to find a rotational guy that can work in, um, and both run and pass potentially, or, you you know, as behind Ingram, or you need Mike Dana to be the rusher, uh, to be the rusher to help in the run defense while having an additional pass rusher that could rotate in with Ingram. So it's just a matter of what costs and how you have to work about it or approach it. But, in my head, or, you know, and then we'll see what Malik Herring does. Maybe Malik Karen's that guy, you know, hopefully that's the case, you know? So, I mean, I'm interested to see how the Chiefs approach that, but I do think if I'm them, including the draft, you want to get, I think you want to get four defensive linemen to bring in as competition to compete against what you already have and try to make the best pass rush possible. But I do think they're going to have to enhance the athletic ability of who they
1: bring in to mix with what they've already got. And I think especially on the defensive tackle uh, spot, you know, it may not be a sexy name. Uh, It may not be a a name that a lot of people are familiar with, you know, right? Like you mentioned, Tim Settle, not a heralded guy out of Virginia tech, not a guy that a lot of people have necessarily heard of, especially, you know, since he didn't have any sacks last year. But um, I, I I always, I remember, you know, scheme fit is so important. Right. And, um, You know, I remember, you know, when Priest Holmes signed in, in, you know, in the summer before 2001, there wasn't a lot of fanfare, even though he was a thousand yard back, you know, uh, there in Baltimore and stuff like that. But it wasn't like people were like, oh, man, like the Chiefs offense is going to be incredible now that they have Priest Holmes. Of course, it was. Well, you know me. I was very excited about it even though right I was and, in and high I, school at the time. Right and and I remember I I was too back then when I was you know in my early days at the Schnoot Tribune covering um uh, you know covering the the Dick Vermeil era. Um you know I mean I thought it was a savvy signing and I thought that he would you know he would be a a great fit. He wasn't Marshall Falk, but I thought he brought some qualities to the table that would make him effective um you know and and of course that that proved to be true. So, you know Obviously, in hindsight, everybody loved Priest Holmes, but at the time, it wasn't like that was thought of as a franchise-defining or a franchise-changing move. And bringing in Tim Settle certainly wouldn't be that either. But it, those are the kind of moves that that might elevate the Chiefs from a, an overtime loss in the AFC Championship game to, uh, you know, playing Drove, in Drove Glendale, getting sacked seven times, right? To playing in Glendale next year, um, you know, in Super Bowl Fifty
0: Seven. Yeah. That still pains me (laughs) because I'm telling you that third quarter when I was watching, I was like, yep, there it is. There's the
1: matchup. And that's like, I like, I go back to, and I look at that AFC divisional game and I think if the bills had, had won the coin toss gone down and won that game, I think the bills would have handled Cincinnati. And I think the bills would have handled the Rams. And so, you know, and I, you know, you know, whether it comes down to that hunger, the chiefs had, had won one and been there two years in a row or whatever it was. I just think that, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I, I think the outcome would have been different if the bills had pulled off that AFC divisional game.
0: I concur, Todd Palmer. I concur. Yeah. I, just, I think, I honestly do think it would have been the bills year. They would have, yeah, I do think I think Allen would have won the super bowl. And, but either way, no matter if it's Burrow or Allen, I don't think Patrick Mahomes going to have to worry about people talking about him <laughs> on national shows in a positive light for a little bit. And that's not to be mean to him. It's just like, like they've, they've had their, unfortunately, I hate to say it this way, but they've had their fill of talking about him, and they just want something new and exciting to talk about in their minds. And, you know, like the new topic that they can move forward with. So I think it's probably going to be Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and, And that that you know each year it's been a different quarterback that they've pitted against Mahomes, and so I I fully expect that to be the case again next year.
1: Yeah, and and Justin Herbert too, um, and and some of those um, I still expect
0: them to predict the Chargers to win the AFC West again.
1: (laughs) We've said it; you can check the receipts. I think Justin Herbert's going to be a great quarterback in this league. I still. Can we can he get the team to the playoffs once before he gets anointed as the best quarterback in the AFC West, though? I mean, like just one time, get him to the playoffs. I'm not even saying get him to the AFC championship game four years in a row into half century Super Bowl drought and get him back to the fourth super. He didn't even have to do all that. Just win a division title and make the playoffs one time before he gets anointed as, you know, as the next wonderbread quarterback of the NFL, that's all I'm asking. Let's let's just let's just can that happen, please.
0: I it does crack me up though that like like I mean Burroughs now officially the closest to you know because one he's technically beaten Patrick Mahomes twice and you know he made it to the Super Bowl, but like you know that's that's why they're anointing him now above Mahomes. But if you look at it like like Josh Allen hadn't you know hasn't been to the Super Bowl yet. Hasn't won an AFC Championship game. Like you said Herbert hasn't even won a a playoff game or even gotten in the playoffs and like you know each time they're trying to use one of those guys to be the new uh, barometer and you know and technically in Burrow's case he hasn't won and you know hasn't won an NFL MVP and hasn't won a you know, hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, or won a Super Bowl MVP to kind of be on that same footing yet. But like, man, they any chance they get to bring in a new quarterback, and
1: you know, such and such has entered the chat. Man, they're taking full advantage of it. I just look forward to the day that um, it's Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson is the next big thing uh, in, in the AFC. It
0: could happen. Could be this year. Could be next year, man. But you know, it's you know, who knows? I mean, they're they're going to take their chance, dude. They get any chance they get, they're going to. They're going to take it and they're going to create that, that controversy. I
1: like to call it that instead of controversy. It's more it's more interesting that way. I'm going to steal that on the next podcast. Um, <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, you
0: got anything else? No, I think we're good at this point. But next week on the podcast on we will talk about free agent receivers oh, I, uh, I thought
1: we we're gonna talk about centers <laughs> <laughs> yes how did you know <laughs> so all right well if you want to talk wide receivers i guess we can do that um <laughs> I mean, we're giving you what you want before
0: free agency begins. And then you so, probably won't watch our, our, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, hopefully people listen to our corners and safeties one down the road, but I don't know. I mean, people yeah. seem to be pretty, pretty about that wide receiver, uh, defensive line life.
1: Well, yeah. and you're about a month away from free agency kicking up. So we'll see. There's a lot of decisions coming, I think, uh, you know, in terms of, Franchise tag in terms of veteran contracts, they may move on from. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of things to get settled before uh, that free agency period starts. I suspect in the next couple of weeks, especially once the coaching staff situation is settled, you'll start hearing more about about that stuff. So
0: yeah, and that and stuff normally comes once the combine you know rolls yeah. around, like announcements get made or officially or unofficially or whatever on Twitter, and it'll that'll, that'll how that stuff will end up resolving at that point. Once, like you said, once you get best coaching staff stuff.
1: Yeah, well, and that's that's when everybody comes together again, and, and it's going to be in person again this year, so... Uh, Parts of it are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not quite to the same level, but there will be media and agents and front office and coaching staffs in the same place at the same time, so that's when the horse trading starts happening. All right. <laughs> I don't... I don't have... I don't have a counter for that. I apologize. <laughs> All right, well, um, I think with that, um, I... I uh, urge everyone to just uh, take care of kids.